Luke 6, verse 6 through 11, if you please rise, and of honor of God's word. That's found on page 1096 in your Black Pew Bible, or it'll be found up on the screen. They read in Jesus' name. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him. And he's to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, I asked you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them, all he, after looking around at them all, he said to him, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. And they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, we ask that you would help us to apply it into our lives. Help us to understand it. Lord, that, that we might become more like Jesus. Lord, that we might be changed. Father, we thank you for your word and the story. Bless us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as we start out today, I, I want to ask the same question that Jesus is asking here. Because he said, I ask you, is it lawful, in verse 9, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life, or to destroy it? And as I was pondering that question, because, you know, if Jesus asks the question, that means that we should probably ask ourselves that question too. You know, what, what's Jesus getting at? What's he talking about? And the first thing that came to my mind is, well, what does he mean by lawful? Like, what is it to be lawful? So what's, what's the first and the greatest commandment? So if something's lawful, it needs to fit into the first and greatest commandment. And what is that? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, and strength, according to Mark. You know, Mark has that in there. The second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And so, when we're obeying a commandment, if we're going to obey a commandment, it's got to line up with those. Because the commandments aren't just a bunch of random laws that God put out there just to kind of mess with us. You know, the commandments are... They're really built out of this concept of loving the Lord and of loving our neighbor. And so if I'm obeying the commandment in such a way that I'm harming my wife, well, they're, they're, I'm, I might be understanding that wrong. Maybe. Not that I would ever understand anything wrong. But it's possible. You know, and so the first and the greatest commandment needs to be, those are, that and its second we see those as, bound, as foundations, as bedrocks. And so what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? It, you know, we talked about heart in our adult Sunday school class, um, Edgar's adult Sunday school class. I don't know what they talked about in Nathaniel's because I can't be in two places. Um, but if something's at your heart, that means it's at the center of who you are. And so we're supposed to love the Lord our God with our all, with our everything, our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so everything that we are is supposed to be 
pointed. It's supposed to be looking at God. And so if all aspects of myself, if I'm going to obey the first and the greatest commandment, that means that all aspects of me, every facet of me, is supposed to be focused on God. It's for His sake. It's for His glory. And if I'm doing that, I'm going to start to look like God. Because why did, how did God create us? Ah, we're created in the image of God. And so that means that we are representatives of God. So if I'm, how many of you who have been married for a little while have started to become a little bit more like your spouse? Any of, any of you? Yeah. Me too. Although I'm, I have, it hasn't made me any prettier. But um, I do cook better now. <laughs> so, but you start to become like your spouse. The, the person that you love, the one that you're focused on, you start to become like that person. You start to image that person. And now as Kirsten loves me, because believe it or not, Kirsten's not perfect. Eh, you know, I, um, she starts to look like me in some ways. And I start to look like her in some ways. And so we start to image each other. But since God is perfect and God is, he's not going to become like Joe Faldet. As I love God. Because remember the difference between God and Joe Faldet, right? God's never thought he was Joe Faldet. Um, as I love God, I'm going to start taking on his attributes. I'm going to start representing him more properly. I'm going to start representing him more clearly. I'm going to start acting the way that God would have me act and acting the way that God acts because I love God, because I trust God. To love God with your mind speaks about trust. How do I think? To love God with my strength, how do I act? To love God with my heart, how do I feel? You know, all of these aspects of ourselves, this whole of who we are, as we love God with those things, they start to look like God. And then we start to image God properly because we are made to be image bearers. Therefore, the God that we worship is the God that we reveal. And so if I'm worshiping Satan, I'm going to reveal Satan. And you know, that manifests itself in all sorts of different ways. So if I worship money, all of my life is going to start looking like greed, right? If I worship power, all of my life is going to start looking like, is going to start becoming manipulative. Because that's really what power-hungry people do. They start to manipulate, to twist things here and there in order to get their way. All of my life is going to look manipulative. If I live my life worshiping myself and me getting my own way, I'm going to start looking bitter and cruel and unforgiving and unloving because selfishness is those things. And so the God that I worship is the God that I bear image of. And so why does God say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? He's not up there saying, love the Lord your God because, you know, I like being loved. He's saying, love the Lord your God because it's going to be best for you. It's going to be best for the world that I've, I've created. It's going to be best for me. You're going to actually reveal me in truth because the image that you're bearing right now, if you're not loving the Lord your God, is not an image of God. You are bearing an image of a God that's not the God. And so, what does it mean to be lawful? It means to bear the image of God properly into this world. Because that's the heart of the law. Because that's the heart of 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And if you're doing that, if you're bearing the image of God, you know what you'll also be doing? Be loving your neighbor as yourself. I'll be loving my wife and my children as I ought to be if I'm bearing the image of God because you know what? God loves my wife and my children way more than I do. If I'm bearing the image of God, I'm going to be loving you guys the way that God does. And I'm going to be revealing that. And sometimes that's revealed in calling someone out and sometimes it's revealed in, you know, blessing someone and encouraging them. And, you know, how is that revealed? It's what all scripture is profitable and it is useful for rebuke, correction, Training in righteousness, and I, I missed one somewhere along the line. Huh? Teaching. Yep. And so we bring these things into people's lives, and we need all of those things. So my image reflects who I worship. So if I want to bear the image of God, I need to worship God. Love God. Put Him first. Set Him as my center. Like we talked about last week, that this is all about Jesus. And so with that then, it's the Sabbath. What's the purpose of the Sabbath? To do good? To do harm? To save life? To save or to heal? Um, let's see here, get that right. I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to destroy it? Now with the Sabbath, all of these doctrines, we talked about this last week, all of these teachings, all of these other laws were set around the Sabbath in order to protect the Sabbath and make sure that it was holy. But then what ended up happening is they missed the heart of the law. Because you've got all of these barriers around it, you know, then it's like the Grand Canyon. The, the best place to go at the Grand Canyon are the places with no fences. Do you know why? Because then you can really see it. It is kind of terrifying because that thing's big. Especially when you've got little kids because that thing's big. And they're not. But then you can get right there and you can really see the depths of this thing. But as you get further and further out with those fences, you really can't see it. You, you keep missing things. And so also is, is with these laws that the Jews had been making in order to protect the Sabbath, it made it so that they couldn't see the Sabbath. Because was the Sabbath given for our benefit or because God wanted to create some random law? Was the Sabbath given for my good or was the Sabbath given for my harm? Was the Sabbath given to bless me or to curse me? Well, it's going to depend on your perspective, who you're worshiping. So if, if I'm worshiping, well, if I'm, if I'm worshiping football, you know, I'm a Vikings fan, we do that, um, whatever. If I'm worshiping football, then the Sabbath, having to go to church or you know, even take church out of it. Let's just take church out of it. Let's make Sabbath a day. What is a Sabbath day? It was supposed to be a day that I spent time with God, right? Time to interact with God. Why do we go to church? Because this is a group of people that are seeking to interact with God, seeking to love the Lord more and to, to draw deeper to the Lord. That's what the purpose of a church is supposed to be. So this is a congregation of the church because the church is believers. And so it's a believers congregating make a church. Because we, they become the visible manifestation of the spiritual reality. I'm not going to go into that any further. So, the Sabbath is meant, to be a bless, it's meant to be a time that I can draw near to God. I put away the other things, put aside work, put aside my common work. Why? Because that common work is bad? No. So that I have time to focus on God. 
Because I don't know about you guys, but there, things in my life can distract me at times. You know, children, life, children, yeah. You know, whatever. All these things, I only gave two, but these things distract us. You know, my work can distract me. Even as a pastor, my work can distract me from my relationship with God. Because if I'm focusing on the wrong aspects of it, it draws me away. And so what's the purpose of the Sabbath? To set aside those things that are common in order to spend time with God. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? Depends on my perspective. If I'm worshiping football and that keeps me from spending time with God, and God's saying, hey, you've got to spend time with me, then that Sabbath is a bad thing. Because it's keeping me away from my true God. If I'm worshiping money, if I'm worshiping power, if I'm worshiping prestige, if I'm worshiping any of these other things other than worshiping the Lord, then the Sabbath becomes a detriment, then the Sabbath becomes a burden on me because I've got to worship these things. If we're worshiping propriety, as someone was just telling me the other day, did you know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is not dignity? And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. No wonder I am the way I am. Um, <laughs> struggle with dignity. But if I'm worshiping these other things and God says, no, you've got to take time to spend with me, that becomes a burden. You know, I've experienced that. I'm, I'm guessing that all of you have experienced that with your children at times. Your children want to spend time with you, especially when they're young and little, and it's like, I just got to get this done. What are your children at that moment? They're a burden. They're a distraction. They're an irritation. It's like, I, I, gotta, I just got to get this done. Stop hanging on me. I just got to get this done. Not that I've ever done that. That's <laughs> so far this morning, I, yeah, no, not the, whatever. I love my children, but then that thing comes in front of them, and then they become a distraction. I'm, then I'm worshiping that thing above my children. I'm putting that thing above my children. And so it depends on my perspective. Is the Sabbath good or bad? If I want to draw near to the Lord, the Sabbath is a blessing. If I want to have a deeper relationship with God, then any time that I can spend with God becomes a blessing. You know, like when Kirsten and I were dating, any time we got to spend with each other was great. Why? Because we wanted to get to know each other. We wanted to see how compatible we were. We wanted, we wanted to, I, I enjoyed being with her, and I, I still do. I shouldn't put that in the past tense. <laughs> Man! You know, and so we spent all the time that we could together. <laughs> so if, Why? Because I want to draw near to her. So, same thing with God, right? If I, if I want to love the Lord, if I want to draw near to Him, if I want to get to know Him better, where am I going to spend my time? Where am I going to put my energy? Then the Sabbath day when God says, you know what? Set those things aside. I will provide for you. Look to me. That Sabbath day, that becomes a blessing. I can say, thank you, God. I get to draw near to you. Thank you, God, that you've given this to me. And so when that Sabbath becomes a burden, it reveals to me that I have some other God. I have some other God out there that's trying to draw me away from the Lord. And that becomes dangerous. Because then who's my God? Who am I loving? What am I loving? And so that, that frustration, you know, that frustration that I express with my children, that teaches me, you know, the work that I'm doing becomes more important than my children. Is it? Can I set this aside? Should I set this aside? Or is it my time that's more important to my children? Or whatever. 
So also with God. What's most important? Who's most important? I have to ask myself that question. That's the question that Jesus is asking the Pharisees here. What's the Sabbath for? Is this to be a blessing or is this to be a curse? Does God actually love you? Or is God trying to just be selfish and manipulative and get you to do what he wants you to do? Is this a power play on God's part? What is this? What God do you trust? Because as we interact with with the Sabbath day, we interact with the image of God. So what does this mean for us? Stretch out your hand. Okay, so what is the image of God? What is Jesus? So Jesus reveals to us perfectly the image of God. The way that Jesus interacts with the Sabbath day reveals to us the image of God. The way that Jesus is interacting with this crippled person reveals to us the image of God. This is what God thinks about the Sabbath. This is how God would have us approach the Sabbath. And so the first thing that Jesus does on the Sabbath day is he brings up a challenge. He challenges the people. Church shouldn't just be easy. Should be fun, enjoyable, but it shouldn't just be easy. Because the Pharisees are here watching Jesus, and so what does Jesus do? Jesus calls up this crippled guy. Another Sabbath, he entered a synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered, and the scribes and Pharisees watched him to see whether Jesus, he, would heal on the Sabbath so that they might find reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. Come up next to me. So you think about that. So this guy was just in the audience. He had a crippled hand. He was just in the audience. Jesus knows what the Pharisees are thinking because he's Jesus. He's God. And so what does he do? Brings it to a point of contention. He, draw, he calls the crippled man up in order to teach the lesson. Jesus is challenging all of the preconceptions of the Pharisees in doing this. He's saying, hey, there's more here that everybody is missing. We all need to see this. And so what does the image of God do? It challenges us. Is there more? Is there more that I'm not understanding? Is there more that I'm not getting? Is there more of God that I have yet to grasp? And so as we interact with God and as we interact with godly people and as we interact with other image bearers of God in this world, we're going to be challenged. Who are you worshiping? How are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? What is most important? Who is God? Is your idea of God, is that really God? Because they had an idea of God. They had an idea of God as the rule giver and the law giver and you better not uh, cross them rules. Better not cross that line. That's how they viewed God and Jesus is showing them, no, this is is a God that will challenge you. It will make you think. So he calls him up and you know, that's also interesting. Jesus doesn't just send the healing out, but he calls this crippled man to participation. Stretch out your hand. Could Jesus have just put his hand on him and healed him? Yeah. Jesus could have done that. No problem. But he calls this crippled man to participate in that, which is interesting. And there's, there's more here, and I'm just picking out a couple of them because they were significant to me as I was studying this. That's what God calls us to, too. God's not just sitting up in heaven doing all of his stuff and we're not just down here absorbing it. You know, like the, the rain in the ground. The rain falls on the ground and the ground just absorbs it. That's not the way that God works. Because the ground is called to produce too. And so also we're called to interact with God. 
And so God calls us. Do we then say, yes, Lord, I'll come. Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll do what, I'm, what you've called me to do. So was this guy's hand healed because he stretched it out? I would bet that somewhere along the line, he'd probably tried that before. But it was the power of God that made that stretching do anything. So this guy didn't heal himself. This guy didn't get Jesus to heal him. Jesus wanted to heal him. But this guy was called to trust Jesus and to do as he said. Trust Jesus. And so also we are. We're called to trust Jesus and then live in obedience to him because we trust him. Because you know what? Jesus knows best, right? And so when Jesus says, come to me, what do we do? We don't stand back and say, I don't know, man. This might be tough. We don't do that. We say, yes, Lord, even though it might be hard, you said you'll walk with me. Jesus says, forgive. So what do we do? I like holding on to grudges, though. Jesus says, speak. What do we do? I don't know what I'm going to say. Well, it's not about us. It's about Jesus. The crippled man didn't say, Jesus, you know better. You know I'm crippled. I can't stretch it out, so leave me out of this. He stretches out his hand and it was healed. And so what's the Sabbath for? What does God do? Does God seek good in this world or does God seek harm? Does God seek to save life or to destroy it? God seeks to save life. God seeks to bless. God seeks to grow us. And so when we're called to do hard things, have any of you ever been called to do something? You know, you've been reading your Bible or someone talking to you and says, you know, you really need to do this. Something you didn't want to do. I have. You don't have to raise your hands. That's fine. Ever had to confess something you didn't want to confess? Or forgive someone you didn't want to forgive? Or do something you didn't want to do, but you knew it's God's will? Why did God call you to do that? Was it to bless or was it to curse? Was it to do good or to do harm? Was it to save or to destroy? Who is God? Why did God give us the Sabbath? Why did God tell us to forgive? Why did God tell us to proclaim his truth? Why did God tell us to love our neighbor as ourselves? Is it to bless us? Bless our neighbor? Or is it to harm us? Who's God? He is the one who saves. He is the one who blesses. And so when God says, confess your sins, trust in Jesus, why is he saying that? Because he loves us. When he says, forgive your neighbor, what's he doing? Because he loves us. When he says, confess your sins to your brothers and sisters, the one that you sin against, you're supposed to confess your sin to. Why does he say that? He's trying to make my life hard. That's because he loves us. God says, take time for me. Why does he say that? It's because he loves us. So why would we deny the love of God? So I tell you, honestly, as I stand up here today, there are things that I have to ask God to forgive me for. Because you know what? I've disobeyed God out of sinful love of myself, thinking that I knew best. 
But you know what? I don't. Because if God calls me to do something and I don't do it, then I'm withholding the love of God from myself and from my neighbor. That's what makes sin so bad. So why do we obey God? In order to be perfect and earn credit for heaven. No. Why do we obey God? It's because God loves us. He loves us. He is wise and He is powerful and He is better than we are. So why do we obey God? Because He is good. And that's what He's seeking in this world. Any questions? If not, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you do good and not harm. Thank you that we then get to have this privilege of being your image bearers, Lord. That we might love our neighbor as ourselves. That we might love you. Father, we thank you. Bless us now. Guide us. That we might obey you out of love for you. Out of trust in you. Out of hope in you. Knowing that you will bring the best out of that. Father, we thank you. Bless us now to the glory of your name. Lord, and work in us that we might look like Jesus. Lord, that we might act like Jesus. Because it is best. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.